This Wednesday marks the 68th anniversary of probably one of the most pivotal moments in world history. The anniversary of that that massive invasion of Allied soldiers into Nazi-occupied Europe. We call it D-Day. You can't even begin to... And, and some of you may have had relatives who were part of that invasion force. And they recall that, and maybe you were in the military and you were a part of that. But we can't even begin to put our arms around the magnitude of that great event. Some of the statistics might help you to to see how important that that military maneuver was. And um, let me share some of them with you. On June the 6th, 1944, 160,000 Allied troops landed on the shores, the beaches of Normandy, France, at five different points. 160,000 Allied troops. There were 5,000 military ships involved. 800 airplanes dropping 13,000 paratroopers behind enemy lines. And another 300 airplanes dropping bombs. This was the beginning of the end of Nazi Germany. This was such a pivotal moment in the war. And it didn't come to that cost. Great cost. Some 10,000 young men made the ultimate sacrifice rushing straight into a barrage of, of a machine gun fire as they landed on those beaches there. Many of them drowned in the surf. However, by the end of that year, Hitler had committed suicide and the war was over finally. As I listened to the, as I, I read a little bit of the transcript of then General Dwight D. Eisenhower, who later become President of our United States, realizing the weight of this significant military maneuver. These are some of the words he said to those soldiers as they on the eve of D-Day. Because soldiers, sailors, and airmen of Allied Expeditionary Force, you are about to embark upon a great crusade for which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and the prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. In company with our brave allies and, allies and brothers in arms on the front, you will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle hardened, he will fight savagely. And he concluded, I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than victory. Good luck, and let us all beseech the blessings of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. Oh, what a death we owe to those brave men and women who 
instead of you're free, ensured our own security and liberty here in the United States of America. And I want to say this morning to our 2012 senior mission team, as we prepare to commission you, I want to use the words of our, our Savior Jesus Christ as he commissioned his own first disciples. You know this well. You know it by heart. You know it is a great commission. Jesus said to those early disciples, just prior to his own ascension back into heaven, to be at the right hand of God the Father, he said to those disciples, he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We traditionally call this the Great Commission. It is great. There is no greater or higher call than to be called by the Lord. To be called to go and to tell others the great good news of the gospel. And Jesus puts the emphasis on making disciples. The implication is, it's implied in the language of the text that since you're going anyway, as you go, you will make disciples. And if you make disciples, you will baptize them in my name. I say to you, our senior 2012 mission team, that this is General Eisenhower reminded those troops on the eve of that great military venture, the eyes of the world are upon you. They were People were waiting, listening to the radios, watching the newspapers. Everybody knew what was at stake in that military venture. Might I say to you, that there are many eyes upon you, the eyes of your church family, the eyes of your extended family, the eyes of other congregations who are partnering in this mission venture are on you. The eyes of fellow Kenyan believers when your feet touch that soil in Africa will be upon you. The eyes of many unbelievers who yet don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they will be watching you. But I'm sure I don't have to remind you that you will also be in the eyes of the enemy of the cross. Those who are opposed to the gospel message going forth, they will be watching you too. No doubt about it. The enemies of Christ will be watching you closely. But rest assured that wherever you go, and you know good and well when you go to Kenya, you don't always end up where you're supposed to be going. They have a plan. Right? Stop. But wherever you go, you are always under the watchful gaze of the Good Shepherd. You will never go anywhere that the Shepherd doesn't see you. And He knows exactly where you're going. So we commission you today. The verb commission means to charge with a task. And in commissioning someone, it is the act of granting authority to undertake certain functions. And as your pastor, on behalf of this your church, I commission you with these challenges. 
that come right out of the heart of the Great Commission. And it centers on going. And might I say to the church family, don't tune me out. I'm speaking primarily to our Kenyan mission team, but I'm speaking to every born of again believer in Jesus Christ, whether you're a member of Cornerstone or you're a member of another church. It doesn't matter. If you call Jesus Christ Lord, this message applies to you because, let me tell you something, there is no such thing as a believer in Jesus Christ who doesn't go to tell others about Jesus. Whether it's across the street, across town, across the office, across the hallway of school, wherever, across the state, across the nation, or in your case, to another part of the world, we are all called to go. And so listen in. God's speaking to you too. We're commissioned by God's Word every day to get up and open up the pages of the Word of God if you intend to listen to the Holy Spirit who's saying to you by name, Go! Go! Make disciples! That's our calling. That's what we're on this earth to do. So, king and fellow believers, go. As you go, go with conviction. Understanding the objective of your mission. And that is to be faithful witnesses every step of your trip. Think about what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He says, you shall receive power and receive the Holy Spirit and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Might I remind you from the time that your feet leave the parking lot of this church, you're on a mission trip. You have, a, you have an objective, and that is to be a witness, whether it's at the airport, or you're in a town, or amongst other people, even before you get to the designated area of your trip. Your own mission. You represent the Lord Jesus Christ. And so do we. Wherever we go tomorrow, wherever we go the remainder of this day, our objective is to be faithful witnesses all along the way, to make and develop disciples of Jesus Christ. You know the Lord didn't say then, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, go and make converts. He's not interested in us just getting people to raise their hand and we check off a list. Jesus is interested in us making disciples, teaching them, that's what he says. Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Make disciples. And I charge you as a missions king. Be keenly aware of those who are lost. Be faithfully quick to share the good news of the gospel. But for every person that indicates they want to ask Jesus into their heart, you be diligent to find out. Will they be taught the Word of God? Will they be nurtured in the Word of God? Will they be instructed in the things of Christ? Are we leaving behind a list of numbers? Or are we leaving behind brand new believers and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus said, make disciples. Very conviction, understanding your objective and your mission, but also remembering the example of your master. We must all follow his Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit reminds us of how Jesus did it. Jesus' example, well, he told us his mission statement there in Luke's Gospel, right at the very beginning of Jesus' inauguration of his own earthly ministry, quoting out of Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, 
in Luke Gospel chapter 4 verse 18, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the Gospel to the poor. That is the poor in sin. Those who are without Christ. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recover his sight to the blind. Let me tell you something. You will see those who will be brokenhearted. You know that from past experience. You will encounter people who are spiritual, who are spiritually blind. You will be imitating the example of Jesus. That's just Christ who's working through you to give back spiritual sight to those who are spiritually blind, to heal those who are broken. He says, I've come to set at liberty those who are oppressed. In other words, they're in bondage. You will see people who are in bondage to false religion. You will see people who are in bondage to addiction. You will see people who are in bondage to all types of sinful practices. And Jesus is sending you to follow his example to liberate those who are oppressed. And so can you and I. Everywhere we go, we see spiritually blind people. We see people who are absolutely destroyed because of sinful habits and practices. We see people who are in chains to addictions to materialism, or drug addiction, or alcoholism, or whatever the case may be, even pornography. We know people who are in bondage. Let me tell you something. We are liberators. Just like those soldiers Branding on the shores of, German, of, of Normandy, we are sent by the Lord to set those who are captives free. Maybe Jesus' own ministry's priorities was number one in, in John's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 34, when Jesus encountered the woman, the Samaritan woman, you may recall his disciples came back, they were out in town getting food, they came back, they said, Lord, uh, don't you want to eat something? He says, I already have food. I'm paraphrasing. He says, I already have food. They looked around and said, we don't see any evidence of food. And we don't explain to them in chapter 4, verse 34, he says, my food is to do the will of the Father who sent me. In John's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son cannot do anything except the Father do it. Whatever he does, Jesus says, the Son does likewise. Doing the will of God. Let me tell you something. Your motive is the same as the motive of Jesus Christ. You're not there on the leisure trip. You're not there on an adventure. You are there to do the divine will of God. Let it motivate you from the time your feet hit the floor in the morning until you lay your tired head on that hard pillow in that mosquito net at the end of the day. We read the will of God. So go with conviction, but also go with compassion. The gospel. The Christian gospel is all about love. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. That's what it's really all about. It's the love of Almighty God towards lost and wretched sinners. I love that passage out of Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15 that Sister Faith Jesus read so elegantly for us. How beautiful are the feet. I'm going to go to share the good news of the gospel. Listen, for those who are lost in the, in the miry darkness and hopelessness of sin over there somewhere in the Karoo area of Kenya where you're going, let me tell you something. Oh, when they finally see the light, when they see the love in your heart and the love of Jesus is flowing from you and it touches their hearts and they open their hearts and minds to the gospel and are gloriously saved when they want to kiss your feet for coming thousands of miles to share the great liberating 
truth of the gospel. Through sharing the gospel, we reveal the love of God. You know, I don't think there's a single trip stop that has never gone on where somebody hasn't been asked by one or two or three or however many Kenyans. Now, now, let me get this straight. Why are you all coming all the way over here? Some of them think we're getting money. You know, getting compensated or whatever. It blows their minds when they find out that you're coming because you love them. Because God loves them. It's such an overwhelming thing to them. But these Americans who have given up so much to come so far because we know God loves them. Uh, I remember Charles Mine, that old, that old hymn that said, Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, Watch them in pity from sin in the grave. Weep for the erring ones. Lift up the fallen. Tell them of Jesus the mighty to save. Why do we do that? Because God loves them. And because God loves them, we love them. That's our motivation. Go with compassion. Sow the gospel seeds as the Spirit leads you. But let me tell you this too. As you sow those seeds, may the tears of your compassion of the heart water every seed that you sow. And may people see you weeping because your heart is burdened over the lostness of people. And church, may that be true for you and me too. We're not on this earth to make money and to have things and to be respected by people or be propped up with power. Oh no, we're on this earth for one reason, and that is to show the love of God to those who don't know Him yet. So many of us wept in the economic downturn when stocks crashed and we lost so much in our retirement plans and our bank accounts and things. Oh, people were weeping everywhere. When's the last time that a cry and broke out in the church house because people realize the majority of the local community is lost and undone without Jesus Christ. Oh, may our hearts be so filled with compassion that we would weep over the thought of anyone dying and going to hell for eternity. And listen, we show God's love through sharing the gospel, but also we show God's love with caring hands we demonstrate. Oh, James, that practical writer of his epistle, some people are just taken aback because James is just so bland or, or, or so, so practical. Well, James just said, hey, you think you got faith? You got what? Guess what? You don't have faith. And you show me, you show me your faith without works. I'll show you a dead faith. And what I would say there in chapter 2 of James, he says, If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? That's also faith lights up. If it does not have works, it's dead. I'm telling you this, uh, uh, because as you go, you will have occasion to demonstrate physical, helping someone. And that's God. He's working through you. You may be able to touch someone. God, listen, each house of hope that you have a hand in helping to construct and, and, and sponsor. Let me tell you something. It is a labor of love. And not only that, every time that you are ready to freely and generously give to those that God reveals to you, you are helping God express His love to them. That's the same thing. 
If we encounter people all around us who have real needs, they need your time, they may need your resources. Listen, we've got to get up after some of the things that God has blessed us with. And not only say to them, God bless you, I'll pray for you, but if they're really suffering and they have a need, be willing to share. And in doing so, you demonstrate the love of God. With caring hands. Touch your own hands. Be extensions of God's heart. Every opportunity you have for this to give a bottle of cold water to a parched child's lips cracking. Listen, listen, if you ever share your food with somebody that seems to be very hungry, listen, you'll encounter people who are so burdened and broken. Oh, just reaching out tangibly, putting your arm on their shoulders, being able to, to care for them. Listen, there's so many ways that you're going to be God to people. If you will encounter, not just with your lips, have clear demonstrations of the compassion of God. And finally, I'll tell you, not only go with conviction and go with compassion, but go with courage. Two days, such a mission trip, particularly when you get outside the country, aren't the wind. Number one, you've got to have a strong stomach. Number two, you've got to like to fly. A lot. You don't have endurance. You don't to walk. And walk. And walk the walk. You don't to really be able to endure life without the things that are luxurious. Central air conditioning. And uh, soft beds. And cooler trees growing. It's not for the worst, I'll tell you that. God commissioned Joshua as he was about to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And he, over and over he said to Joshua as he did in verse 7 of chapter 1, he says, Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand and to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. All dear brothers and sisters. So one thing I can tell you that I believe you keep your eyes on the one who is sending you. Try not to be distracted by, I don't care what the circumstance, I don't care how intimidating, fearful things may be. You keep your eyes on the shepherd. Don't ever take your eyes off of the Word of God. I don't care what you hear in false philosophies and religions and the challenges that you face. You stick to the truth of the Word of God. Be strong in the world. Be courageous as you go. Serving in the power of His presence. That's the key. That's how it works. That's how God can keep ordinary, average American citizens who are secretaries and, and industrial people and doctors and nurses and, you know, just to take people like this. And the commissioners, like me and others who don't. I'll tell you how. It's because we know we don't do it in our own strength. We go in the power and the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what I challenge you with, I charge you with. Realize the power of His presence. The Lord will never send you anywhere that He is not with you. And let me tell you something. Where there is the presence of the Lord, there is unlimited divine power. 
He will not set you up to fail. Oh, he'll allow some challenges to come along. He'll, have, he'll allow you to experience some things. You'll be scratching your head and say, well, you didn't anticipate this. But, remember, you are always in his sight. You are always under his care. That's what I thought. Those of us who are staying behind, as we go into our mission field beginning tomorrow morning, Jesus is with you. You face challenging circumstances. You face intimidating foes. Listen, you face things that may be, you know, hard to deal with as you live your life as a witness for Christ, but realize that Christ is with you. He will speak for you. He will love for you. He will protect you. He will faithfully enable you to do what He's called you to do every step of the way. Those courage, serving in the power of His presence, and also claiming the promises of His Word. Oh, praise the Lord for the promises. Y'all be sure and burn up on them. You're going to need them. There's going to be plenty of time, so you're going to say, what did you say? Hey, listen, Jesus said in verse 20, 28, chapter 28, Though I am with you. Oh, even to the end of the end, there'll never be a time when Jesus says, find out, i, I got to go. <laughs> you know, he's always with you. Let me tell you something else. He promised in his word. He promised that his word will not come back fruitless. Thank you. And I go to the Father Reverend, he says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not come back empty, void, or fruitless. It shall accomplish that which pleases me. It shall, it shall prosper in the day that God sent it. Please so the word. Please don't say the word. If you want to adopt the outcome, God's already said, it's going to bear fruit. It may not happen the day that you saw it. We've seen plenty of times happen when they and you know, where we've said something and then later one of the natives, you know, one of our helpers will come back and say, Oh, you know that person we were talking to, the doctor actually weren't listening? They got saved. They asked the Lord to come in. We just don't know. Just sow the word because he promised his word would be fruitful. I love Psalm 126 when it comes to us as missionaries. As well, speaking to the whole congregation, but specifically to the king. And he says, Those who sow with tears shall reap with joyful shouting. He who goes to and fro, weeping, tear his bag of seeds, shall come again with shouts of joy, bringing his seeds with him. Oh, there's going to be times where you'll cry out of frustration and just uh, anguish, but let me tell you something. Oh, you'll be so burdened with the awesomeness of the needs and the overwhelmingness of the needs, but even with those tears of your crying and compassion and love, let me tell you something. God says there will be fruit. There will be a harvest. He promised that in His Word. He tells us also in Philippians chapter 4, 19, My God shall supply all of your needs. According to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, he promised that when you're weak, he'll give you strength. And there will be times that the treasure sun will be beating down on you, and that new golly will begin to roll in your stomach, and you know you'll begin to think, oh my goodness, I don't think I'm going to make it. Your legs are getting a little wobbly, and you think you've got three more hours of trail walking, village to village, or hut to hut. You're thinking, oh my goodness. And then you just say, Lord, you promised. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He will. He has? He will. And he will for you too. He still will. He promised not only that, he says that he would protect us too. Of in Psalm 121, listen to the words of the psalmist. And we need to know this. He says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. 
The wisdom's my help. My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall not slumber. No preach God will never lay his head down on Philip. He leaves you dangling out there. He's always in the way. He's attentive and he will protect you. That's what the word says. And then finally, and I touched on this last week, in Matthew chapter 18, and Jesus was talking about the church dealing with the presence of sin. And she made a call there in chapter 18. Jesus said something that she needed to remember. In verse 18 of chapter 18, he says, Assured I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Let me tell you something. You will be doing some loosing. God will be doing some loosing too. People abound in sin, cycles of, of sinfulness on their way to hell. And when you share the gospel through that translator, or just speaking to them in English, let me tell you something. When the, the power of the gospel discounters those cycles, and that person knows something is going on in their heart because they prayed the prayer to receive Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior. Let me tell you something. You should agree with God. God says, I'll set them free. You say, Lord, the Lord has set you free. You can put the hand of a child or a young person or uh, an elderly person. It doesn't matter. You can speak through that translator, however they translate it. But when you say, brother, sister, welcome to the family of God, you are now saved. Let me tell you something. You're not saying it based on your own authority. Heaven is resoundingly saying with you. You agree. It's done. Oh, you go. Go with conviction, go with compassion, and go with courage on behalf of this family. I mean that. Hey, family, you are part of us. Not a moment of the day will go by that somebody in this church will be lifting one of you or two of you or all of you up praying for you. You are born. You're born because God has called you, but you're going on our behalf too. And I say this soundly and confidently on behalf of all of your brothers and sisters who are gathered today to commission you to go as our missionaries. Know that as you go, you go with our love. We're so proud of you. We're so thankful for you. You go with our love, you go with our prayers, and you go with our blessings. Oh, so the the love. And I think we're already looking forward to that glorious day when the plane will touch down in Raleigh and that bus will get you all back here and we can embrace you and hear the glorious things that God has done. That God has done. And His faithful came. Okay. Heavenly Father, this is a very special moment, Lord, in the life of this church and any church that we have the opportunity to commission fellow believers who lived a long time ago since your call upon them. And Lord, those of us who have gone on mission trips, whether it's to other parts of the state or other parts of the country or another part of the world, Lord, we know. We know that when you put that call on the person's heart and you identify a specific place where you want them to go in your kingdom, 
the only, only, the only thing, the only suitable thing that a true child of God can do is go. They have made that commitment today. The Lord, as we lay hands upon them as a symbol of our justice, to commission them to go forth to Peru, Kenya, to let them keep the sin of the people who are evangelized. Oh, Lord, what a challenge they face. Is it an awesome God who has taken them there? Bless them, keep them, Jesus, we pray. Turn them back to us, thank you. Hear the glorious stories about the great way that God has worked through them as a king. For his glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.